But I think all of us need reminders. And some of us put them on calendar, uh, little ticklers on our calendar. Others of us put as reminders. We used to tie little strings around our fingers. We need reminders. And we need reminders because we forget. We forget who God is. And we start thinking we need to run the world. We forget that God is faithful. And we start to worry. We forget that we can depend on him and his grace is sufficient. And instead we try and live life in our own strength. There's so many ways in which we forget. We forget and we go back to being self-reliant. And so God is going to put a practice in place at the end of this battle with the Midianites to remind people how to remind themselves about his provision, his protection, and his presence in their life. And I think we all need that because of our incredible short-term memory. In fact, about a month ago, I shared a story about a friend of mine, Matt McKee, who's been in his mid-40s struggling with very severe cancer. And Matt's only friend of mine. He was our children's pastor for many, many years here, and our whole children's ministry was designed by him. And I shared the story of how we need to pray for him and, and pray for him trying to be an example to his kids and to his wife of what it looks like to be faithful and trust God in the midst of this diagnosis. As I shared that story, just a few days later, I was hanging out with some staff here, and Jim Howell came in, Jim attends our church, and said, can I show you something? I said, sure. So Jim comes up and he hands me a rock. I said, can I take a picture of that? So I did. He's got a rock in his hand. He said, this rock is a reminder of God's faithfulness. I said, well, great. He said, you know where I got this rock? I said, I do not. He said, this is from a sermon back at CCD days 15 years ago that Matt McKee preached, coming out of the Jordan River, they would take these rocks as memorials or reminders of God's faithfulness for the next generation. He goes, I've still got my rock that reminds me to hold on to God. So I sent a picture of that to my friend Matt. I said, your message from 15 years ago was a reminder to Jim to hold on to God's faithfulness. And Matt said, man, I need a reminder of that now for what I'm going through. And he posted on his Facebook page what encouragement was for him that he needs to remind himself of something he reminded us 15 years ago, that we can hold on to God's promises when we're crossing the Jordan River, when we're going into the Red Sea, when we're facing the unknown. And that passage and that idea is going to be very important, I think, to you and I today. Because our main idea here in the text, in this chapter, is that we need to make a memento, make a reminder, to remind yourself and others about God's provision in your life, God's protection in your life, and God's presence for your life. Here's how the chapter ends, this idea. Moses and Eleazar the priest received the gold from the captains of the thousands and the hundreds, and he brought it into the tabernacle of meeting as a memorial, a memento, for the children of Israel before the Lord. And the Hebrew word here is zikron, a memento, a reminder if you remember from last week where we covered the incredibly difficult passage about the destruction of the Midianites, the Midianites have now been destroyed and there's all this bounty, all this booty as the Bible is going to describe, all this wealth, the horses and sheep that are available that are now going to be distributed to the Israelites. 
And if you've ever been at like the end of the movie where the bad guy, you know, the end of every James Bond movie, it's this way, but it's every movie. The bad guy's been getting away with murder for the entire season, for generations, and finally at the end, they, you need a battle worthy of the enemy's death, and the, the, the bad guy's finally destroyed, and you're sitting in the movie theater, you're like, yes, finally he's been held account. Finally he gets destruction. Finally justice has been served. That's what just happened in the previous chapter. We just celebrated the destruction of 900 years of evil that's finally held to account. And now there's the distribution of all the wealth to all the Israelites as a way of saying, thanks, God's providing for you for your faithfulness. And that's where we pick up today. And that money is going to represent a memorial, a reminder of what God's done in the, in the past, the present, and then they can trust him in the future. So let's start with uh, these ideas. We're going to first look at God's provision, this, this zikron of God's provision in their life. Then we'll look at his protection and then finally his presence. So first, the provision. Reminder number one, God says, remember to assess God's provision in your present and your past. Because when you realize he provided in the past and the present, you can trust him to provide in the future. So the booty remaining from the plunder, which the men of war had taken, was 675,000 sheep. That's a lot of sheep. As, as booty goes, it's not bad. Sorry, couldn't help with 675,000 sheep, 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, 32,000 persons in all, all women who had not known a man intimately, as we talked about last week, are, are, are taken out of that horrible culture and they're now adopted into this culture. And half the portion of those who had gone out to war was a number 337,500 sheep. Now, so what's happened here is just like when they left Egypt, the Egyptians saw that God was God and they provided resources to the Israelites. And so they didn't earn this, they didn't get this, this is God's gift to them coming out of Egypt. And now they're heading into the promised land and just like God provided for their parents 40 years ago, God's providing for them right before they go in to the promised land. And so they're so overwhelmed by God's provision, so overwhelmed by His generosity, so overwhelmed by what he's doing that they're going to give a tribute. You see the word, the Lord's tribute is used multiple times here in the passage. The Lord's tribute, the way of saying, thank you, God, for what you provided in my life, of the sheep was 600. And then they give a tribute of the cattle and a tribute of the different pieces. And each time, the Lord's tribute was 72. The donkeys were 32,000 and the Lord's tribute was 61. And the persons were 16,000 of the Lord's tribute was 32 persons. And to give a tribute was people put into to sacrifice. If you remember, um, people put into service, rather. So the Levites would be put into full-time service as a, as a tribute. This person is going to dedicate themselves wholly to the Lord and to his service. So when you are put in tribute to the Lord and service as a person, you're going to spend your life uh, typically um, living in that way. So there's different ways that you could do that. But notice that the word tribute goes over and over and over and over again here. So then Moses gave tribute which was the Lord's, in a heave offering. If you remember, we studied a heave offering. That was specifically a way in which you would take the, the grain offering coming out of your fields and you would heave it up as high as you could to say, God, thank you for how generous you are. Thank you for providing for my flock. Thank you for providing for, for my grain this year. Thank you for your faithfulness. We learned a lot about that about four months ago, the heave offering. And the heave offering specifically, unlike your tithes and offerings, 
it went specifically to the work of the tabernacle, the work of the local worship center for people to operate and to pay for the priests and things like that. God, thank you for your provision and may this uh, pay for, may this resource the work you're doing to lead us into worship together in the tabernacle. Now he did this just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And from the children of Israel, half, which Moses separated from the men who fought, I'll, I'll explain that in a second, and half belonged to the congregation. So half the resources of plunder goes to the men of war, half goes to the people who didn't go to war. And of the congregation, they got 337,500 sheep, 36,000 cattle, 30,500 donkeys, 16,000 persons. And, and from the children of Israel, half Moses took of every 50, drawn from man and beast, and gave them to the Levites, who kept charge of the tabernacle of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. So let me show you this on a chart. It might be a little easier to see. So pretty much what he's saying is that there's the soldiers category and there's the people's category. So each took half. So if you think of the soldiers, they took half of the sheep. The people got the other 50%. Same thing with the cattle, same thing with the donkey, same thing with the spoils of war. So that's all that passage really said, is that God has incredibly provided all of these resources. Because of those who went to battle, they're actually going to get the same amount as all the people who didn't go to battle. But God is also going to pay the soldiers in addition because he's asking them to tithe or to give tribute a lot less. In fact, the soldiers are commanded to give a tribute to God of one five-hundredth of what they received, meaning they're keeping 499,000th of it, a hundredth of it, and the people are going to give one-fiftieth of tribute. So if it means if a soldier's here and a non-soldier's here, and one of them is going to give, you know, the Lord's portion one-fiftieth of each thing is given, the other's going to give one-five-hundredth. This is a way of God honoring those who went to battle, honoring those who were soldiers and providing for it. So again, you just see God, God gives it all, and then God asked them in gratitude to give back to him a portion of what he already gave to them. And that's really what's going on here in the passage. And part of that's a heave offering to help finance the tabernacle and finance the work. But all that's designed, whether you're a soldier or a non-soldier, to say, look how God has provided for us these 40 years defeating the, the evil Midianites. And now, not only did he deliver us and the whole land from the Midianites, he's provided bounty or plentifulness to us that we didn't earn, that we didn't deserve, that he's provided. The heave offering, the Lord's tribute. In fact, when I mentioned the heave offering about six months ago, I got lots of you wrote me letters, lots of you phone calls and emails. And one email I got was a lady who called me up. She said, Chad, I watch the service while I'm working out, so maybe you're watching right now. And she and her husband said, man, when you're telling the story about the heave offering, I'd never heard that before. But the idea that the heave offering is a gift you give above and beyond your, your percentage giving to provide for God's work, this family said, this couple said, man, we gave several heave offerings through Horizons Past. We want to give one of those today. And so I, I chatted with them and... and they were just so filled with gratitude. Like you always think about a giving talk as like, you know, somebody's arm twisting you or somebody's guilting you or shaming you. And, and this was just such filled with joy. So I've never felt a heave offering. In fact, their exact words of this couple was, I just wrote my heave offering check and we're sending it in the mail. We are so excited about how God has provided for us 
She talked about the faithfulness in her current job, the faithfulness in her recent bonus, and that she was just overwhelmed with God's provision, and she wanted to give a tribute or portion of that back to God's work here at Horizon. It was just so humbling to see how the Bible, something that's, you know, 1500 BC we're reading about, is alive and well today. We, we create these memorials and, and these checks we write, these moments we write, these, these patterns we put in our life become reminders that God is faithful. I give tribute as a reminder that God has provided in the past and I can trust Him to provide in the future. So that's His provision. But then this groan goes on, this memento goes on to talk about God's protection. How has God protected you for 40 years wandering around the wilderness? How has God protected your family, your life? If you think of the challenges and dangers that's gone on from, from COVID to relational issues to career challenges over the last 40 years in your life, what if we pause and said, how has God protected me? Things I didn't even realize were a danger? How's God protect me from things I did see as a danger and I saw how he got me around it? Have you ever taken the time to reflect on and assess God's protection in your life? I love this passage. It's just so interesting that after all this tribute of thanking God for what he's provided for them in this moment, they then have this kind of aha moment. Look what happens. So the captains who were over the thousands of the army and the captains of the thousands and of the hundreds came near Moses. And they said, your servants have taken account of the men of war who were under our command. We just went to battle with the mighty Midianites. And we just did a count. And you know what? Not one man of us is missing. No one died in this battle. God said he was going to fight for us. He fought for us. Not one man is missing. And just their jaws dropped. This has never happened in war before. Now, it was true before they made the count, but when they made the count, they figured it out. And often, if we don't take the moment to pause and reflect, if we don't take the moment to assess God's protection in the past, we don't have this moment. We just kind of keep on keeping on and pray about the thing that God still needs to do rather than thanking Him for what He's done. I would encourage you to take some moments to think about how God's protected you in the past. In fact, it's so jaw-dropping to them, after already giving tribute for what he's provided in the past, they then make an offering for the Lord because of his protection. Every man found ornaments of gold, armlets, bracelets, signet rings, earrings, and necklaces, and they gave that as an offering to the Lord. God. Man, thank you for your provision. Here's a one five hundredth offering from the soldiers. And then the soldiers are so struck by God's protection, they give additional offering to say, God, here's this arm bracelet we found. Here's this earring we found. Here, here's this nose ring we found. All of the stuff that they assessed in that culture, they begin to give back to God to say thank you for your protection. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, there's another phrase that I love that speaks to this. Things you don't realize until you get here. There's been some miracle going on for the last 40 years, never mentioned in the book of Numbers, that Moses kind of brings to their attention. So you can guess what it is. It's very ordinary. Two million people wandering through the wilderness. How has God protected them in a very simple way that they may not have noticed? Enemies, 
soldiers, weather. How about their shoes? Moses says, God wants you to know that I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. Isn't that a neat little insight? That God has sustained their clothing, sustained their sandals so it did not wear out over time. Now, the only person I know who's accomplished this is my father, who hasn't bought a new pair of jeans in 50 years. Now, my mom would say they have worn out. My dad would say they're fresh as day. I had this pair of Reebok shoes when I was uh, 16, and I loved these things, but my feet grew from like size 10 to size 13, and I loved these shoes. My mom's like, we're going to throw away those Reeboks. I'm like, don't throw away the Reeboks. So my dad had a workshop next to my bedroom, so I brought my Reeboks in, and he's got a bandsaw. I just took the edge, and I just cut off the two inches right at the end here. And man, it felt so much better than trying to stick your 13s into a 10. And my mom said this was not an appropriate way to keep those sandals, but I, or those Reeboks. But I did wear them for about two months before they disappeared, according to my mom. <laughs> but think of all the ways God has provided for you. Now, let me just tell you the room we're sitting in today, how God's provided for us. Because it's a pretty amazing story. Maybe you haven't heard it or you've only heard pieces of it. Let me take you back in time, about 26 years. About 26 years ago, a group of folks came together and said, hey, let's, let's dream about a place that people would come together to learn the Bible verse by verse and design another place that people could invite their friends to explore. Let's have world-class children's programs. And we started in, in a backyard of 10 people praying that God might do this. And over the next couple of years, people began to give tribute offerings to say, God, I want to invest in the future what you might do for us and for the future generations. So it was like 20 years ago, we started looking for land. And we found some land up in Indian Hill, because we were up near CCDs where we started. We bought this land all in good faith, ready to build. And the realtor who sold us the land was like, um, the neighbors are angry that you're even thinking about building in this area. And we're gonna, they're going to be fighting you tooth and nail. Oh, okay. So we kind of sold that property and we bought another piece. Same thing. There's all kinds of hoopla. No, 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 no. So then for like 15 years, we just kept looking. Meanwhile, folks were saying, thank you for God's faithfulness. I'm not only giving to Horizon's work kind of monthly, regularly, but I'm giving above and beyond for the future growth fund, for the future fund. So there was a piece of property we found at Camp Denison, and we made an offer on this thing, far more than it was worth, but still a good deal for us. The person didn't take the offer. I mean, crazy. I mean, you could, no one would make that offer today, 15 years later on that property. Our team and our leaders set it there and negotiated, waited six months, no response, came back, sweetened the deal just a little bit, no response. And it's like, God, we're trying to create a place and a space for you to do your work. Why, why, why are you not answering that prayer? So we found another piece up uh, off Ward's Corner property that we looked at and we investigated and we invited several of you to go and pray for us and pray on that property. And just really wasn't working out and, and didn't seem like that was the right fit. And meanwhile, we had one of our leaders who was on our land team who was going past this property and saying, you know, wouldn't it be great to be on a golf course like that? Yeah, but we've talked to him several times. It's not really available. All right. So then as we were kind of trusting God, we, we looked into the, the gravel pits up in Indian Hill where the, where the winter park is. Hadn't been put in yet. Some of our leaders were approaching and putting in the winter park up in Indian Hill looking at the gravel pits. So, you know, this could be the place that that we see God using as the property. 
Meanwhile, folks at the church would continue to give regularly and give to the future and invest in the possibility that we'd have a space to honor God. So one of our leaders who is big into environmentalism, as we all are as, as you know, good stewards of, of God's property, but this person particularly invests in caring for endangered animals and things like that, came to the Indian Hill meeting that night to talk about whether or not we could invest in the gravel pits, and that might be some part of our location. And at that meeting, they invited somebody in, environmentalist, who gave a two-hour duck presentation. Two-hour duck presentation. Every duck in the gravel pit, what they do, what they could do, why building anything in the gravel pit was a terrible idea. At the end of the two-hour duck presentation, the, the head of the board at the time in Indian Hill was like, my goodness, I had no idea there were so many ducks in a gravel pit. To which the presenter said, oh, those ducks don't live in the gravel pit. Those are pictures from ducks where I'm from in Massachusetts. <laughs> well, you've been telling us for two hours we can't because they're here. But they might fly down here. The duck presentation. <laughs> and that door really closed. And then amazingly, because this other golf course got put in over here, this one became available because it couldn't compete. And all of a sudden, all the searching, all the praying, God had been providing for us, but also protecting us from other good decisions that looked good at the time to provide this property. Then amazingly, we got the property, but we had to move this dirt up 12 feet. You're, you're sitting or standing on 12 feet of dirt underneath you. And it took us two and a half years to find that dirt, some from Nordstrom's, some from other places. Those trucks came straight down Miami Avenue, inspiring many new ordinances in Indian Hill and Madeira, <laughs> as many of you may know. And we're waiting for the dirt. Meanwhile, folks are continuing to say, I'm excited about what God's doing, excited about the future. I'm giving you know, to the regular giving at Horizon, plus I'm giving to this future growth fund. And so we begin to design the building and pray together and meet out here and talk about what might happen. Then 2008 hits. Boom! Financial crash. But people have been giving so faithfully for so many years, combined with the weight of the dirt, that in 2008, we had money in the bank because everybody up gave their uh, money they wanted to be part of this building. And so because no one was hiring and no one was building anything in Cincinnati, in 2008, cash was king and we were able to build this place for, for cents on the dollar. And we got into this property 12 years ago and we were able to build this thing 100% debt-free because of how God protected and worked through all these circumstances where we were trying to cooperate with him, how to pray with him. And so just know, when I look back over the last 12 years, 20 years of our church, it has got God's fingerprints everywhere, protecting us, leading us, guiding us, putting us in the perfect opportunity, saving us from ourselves at times. And so when you give to Horizon, you're not giving to pay for debt payments. You're giving to create an environment for now and for the future. To say, God, thank you for how you provided for me a place to grow. I want to give tribute to that for a place other people can go. God, thank you for the way you protected me in my career, protected me in my life. I want other people to know a God that protects them and watches over them and cares for them. It's amazing. But it's more than just his provision and his protection. It's really about his presence in your life. That's what he goes on here in this next point. He really talks about God's presence. He brings people to tabernacle, the symbol of God's presence. Remember to assess God's presence. And there's two presents here. There's actually the presence he gives us. 
right? Like the booty and the plunder here and his presence, the fact that he's in your midst. And both of those have been true, right? The presence he gave them coming out of Egypt and now the presence he's giving them going into Israel, into the promised land. His presence available as the fire moving forward as they were coming out of Egypt and his presence as a pillar of fire that's been moving them now into the promised land. Both are true. So Moses and Eleazar received the gold from them. So he's received the gold from the people and the soldiers for his provision. Now they've received this other additional gift from the soldiers for his protection. And they fashioned all the fashion ornaments, all those earrings and, and arm bracelets. And all the gold of the offering they offered to God from the captains of the thousands and the captains of the hundreds. And I love this too, that it's everybody was involved. The thousands gave, the captains of the hundreds gave, and it was 16,750 shekels. The men of war had taken spoil every man for himself. Now Moses and Eleazar the priests received the gold from the captains of the thousands and of the hundreds, and they brought it into the tabernacle of meeting as a zikron, a memorial for, look at that, for the children of Israel. Let me take my notes off here a second so I can show you something. This is really cool. All right. So just look at the parts I've underlined. They receive presents from God, right? They didn't earn this gold. So they get a present from God. They then present it to God in his presence. So you get a present, then you present it in his presence as a reminder, not just for yourself, but for everybody, that God can be trusted and God is faithful. There's just this beautiful pattern that's mentioned here that when we receive presence from God, we bring it into the presence of God so it can inspire other people that God is trustworthy and you can trust his presence and his presence in your life. This is God's pattern. This is God's way of working that we see him as our father and we give back to him in thanksgiving to what he's done for us. And that becomes not just as a crone for us, to trust him in the future, though it is. It becomes a zikron or a memento or a memorial for other people watching us that God is faithful and God is trustworthy. Reminds me, I was a, a triple jumper, a long jumper, and a 110 high hurdler. That was one of the sports I played in high school. I was pretty good at it. I was jumping 21 feet in, in long jump and 43 feet in the triple jump. But one of my heroes was Carl Lewis. So I loved reading about Carl Lewis and the stories of Carl Lewis and and Carl Lewis jumped 29 feet. I mean, just amazing. And, you know, he kind of stood up to Adolf Hitler and just showed him what it was like. He just loved the stories of Carl Lewis. Well, what you may not know is Carl Lewis won his first gold medal. And between that first Olympics and next Olympics, his father died. And his father had inspired him. His father had shaped him. His father had encouraged him in all of his Olympic pursuits. When he came to see his father in the casket, he was just weeping and mourning and thanking his father for his impact. He had brought his gold medal to the funeral. And to everybody's shock, he took his gold medal off and he placed it in the casket with his dad. And they closed the casket and his gold medal is still there in the casket with his father. His mom was like, what are you doing? I want to give my dad a memento of my love for him, that we won this together because of him. And then he turns to his mom and says, don't worry, I'll win more. 
He comes back in 1988. And one of the first races he had was in the 100-meter dash. He's up against Ben Johnson from the Canadian team. As they take off, they are racing, and it is just bullet fast. They get to the end, and sure enough, Ben Johnson, the Canadian, beats Carl Lewis by just a hair. Now he's got a silver. And he's bummed. There are a lot of rumors about Ben Johnson, the Canadian, and steroid use, but he's like, you know what? I got a silver, not a gold. I want to win this for my father, but I at least feel like I'm going to honor my father because I did it with integrity and I did it without steroids. And just a little bit later, what happened? <laughs> ben Johnson was called onto account for his steroid use. He was disqualified, and Carl Lewis got his second gold. He goes on to totally have nine golds in all his different, different categories. But I love that picture of Carl Lewis thinking about everything his father had done for him, everything his father provided for him, and saying, I want to give back to dad what he inspired me to do. And then to live a life of integrity because of that. I think that's the spirit of this passage, that we give to our heavenly father just a piece of what he's given to us. So how about for you? Just look at that passage again. And what does it look like for you to start the habit of putting mementos or the crones in your life, things to remind yourself of God's provision, his protection, his presence in your life. Start that habit in your life, the habit of bringing the gifts from God, his talents, his skills, his resources, the things you've received from God, bring them to God in order to bless other people. That's the rhythm that he's calling us to. Look at it again in the passage. It's bringing the gifts from God before God to bless others. They receive the gold from God, They brought it into the presence of God as a memorial to bless the children of Israel and those in the future. What does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to start the habit of doing that? Maybe for you that's financial giving. Maybe that's writing a check to Horizon as a reminder that that God's provided you your whole salary and you want to give a proportion of that. Maybe it's a daily discipline of prayer or thanksgiving, creating a thanksgiving journal, saying, God, thank you for the way you provide for me. As a reminder, maybe it's reflection, taking moments to say, how has God protected me over the last two years or one year just during this day or this week? But start the habit of taking the gifts from God, bringing them to God in order to bless others. We had a lot that happened during COVID. Besides those of you who give regularly to God's work here at Horizon, Occasionally, folks will say, I got a heave offering, I got a tribute offering. Is there anything going on, Chad, that's in the future? In the same way other people invest in the past and Horizon's future that I'm participating in, how can I do the same? So, we haven't updated our children's ministry in 10 years. So, many people during COVID said, Hey, I want to provide above and beyond. What's God doing? And we gave a list of things they could pray about. And so, one of the things a few people gave toward was we totally remodeled our children's program during COVID. You might notice prior to COVID, although it seems like a thousand years ago, is that our whole atrium got reinvented and reestablished in different uh, furniture and things. Because somebody said, besides my regular giving, I want to start the habit of giving a heave offering and allowed us to remodel that area. Many of you are here five years ago, or three years ago now, right before COVID, we started raising money for camera equipment. And sure enough, we raised the money, not knowing COVID was coming, that we had cameras in place and a video system in place right before COVID hit, and we had to go to video. God's provision, God's protection, and God's presence. So I don't know what the next two years, five years, or ten years has in store for you or me or us, but I tell you this, every time we've seen God's faithfulness and people responded to God's faithfulness, we've been set up for the future of what God wants to do to impact people. Start the habit of receiving from God, bring that to God, 
And out of that, how can I bless others? If I can invite the band to come out, Kenny and uh, Neil are going to come out because they're going to share a song, a song that I love. It's a song that comes out of the book of Revelation. It's almost word for word from the book of Revelation. And it's about this very thing, that your whole life God saved you, God delivered you, God forgave you, God died for you. And then when you and I choose to cooperate with his spirit in us, he rewards us for the work he did in us. And then when you're in God's presence, when you're standing before God in all his glory, you've got these crowns he's put on your head for your faithfulness, for your trust, for your endurance. And we're going to be so awestruck by God's presence that we, like Carl Lewis, are going to take our most precious possessions, our crowns, and we're going to lay it down before him, saying, God, thank you for how much you provide for me. Thank you for how worthy you are. Why don't you stand and join me? I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing what we've just experienced together. Father, we long for your presence in our life. We have it, but not in full. We long to be in a place where sin has been eradicated. And Father, we are so thankful for your generosity. We're so thankful for the opportunity we have to give back to you just a portion of what you've given to us. For you are the Holy One. In Jesus' name.